Hey everybody, this is Steve Riley from LA Guns and you're watching CMS TV. Peace. That, of course, was the Brett Michaels Band, and uh, you, you probably recognize that guy right over there as the uh, the guy that was playing guitar on that song, um, the mighty Pete Evick. Pete, how are you, sir? I'm wonderful. How are you guys doing? Great. Doing man. great, Pete. We know you're probably tired. I saw I saw your Facebook post that you have busy busy Mondays today and had a ton of stuff going on, but we appreciate that you No, nah, man, I couldn't here. wait. I actually couldn't sleep. I was excited to do this with you guys again, man. But it's it's funny. Were you guys watching that video that you just played? Yeah, yeah. So that was the last night of our Party Girl tour. Right. And I don't know if you know, but the whole thing with our Party Girl show was that anybody was welcome on the stage at any given time from any of the bands with us. So that's Night Ranger's keyboard player up there behind the bongos or behind the congos. <laughs> nice. But I never noticed because I never turned around. It's like he doesn't even know where he's at. Did you see that? He's just sitting. He's not even playing him. He's just looking around. Like, I don't watch those videos. I'm afraid to watch that stuff. So that was the actual first piece of footage I've seen from that tour at all. Really? Now, how come you don't watch it? Are you, you don't like to see yourself play, or you just um, you you you've already been there? So done. No, no I no. I I gained I've gained too much weight since COVID. I don't like to see any of that stuff. <laughs> you know, we we you know, Brett is still. You know, Brett's 60 years old now, and but he's all about the energy of the show still. He, he, he's if you don't jump around and run around, which I enjoy doing, but you know, that affects sometimes the technicality of playing great, you sure. know, and especially, you know, Eric, you would know. Do you have, sure. do you have, do you have a floating flood rose on your system? I locked it down finally. I, I was looking at some of the more shredder guys, like, like, how are they keeping this thing in tune all the time? You know, yeah. like one of the key things was definitely putting a trem stabilizer in there. Yeah. So I, I have, I put one in. So I do that Eddie Van Halen jump a lot my whole life, you know, that thing. Mm -hmm. And I have the floating tremolo out on the road with me. And uh, so I know that half the time when I land it, jerks it out of tune for a quarter <laughs> i just don't listen you know what i mean <laughs> right yeah. nice it's all well, rock and roll. well um pete let's let's since, since we started with party girl let's talk a little bit about that um certainly a big success i i would argue maybe even a bigger success than you guys um thought it was gonna be talk uh, a little bit about it man and then we're gonna talk about the star wars background <laughs> there you go most okay. icely spaceport that was that was like my flight on american airlines i just thought everyone kind of looked like they'd fit in there 
wonderful. Yeah. Uh, the, so the Party Girl Tour was a gamble. Um, Brett, Brett, man, you can say, not that anyone says anything bad, but you, you can say what you want about the guy. He he has played his cards differently than most people mm-hmm. and correctly in a lot of ways. And he took a gamble after that stadium tour. He went right to Live Nation all by himself, and he said, Poison ruled the thing, not being cocky, but all the reviews that were poison was great. I've proven myself for you know 36 years. Give me a solo date, a solo run with Live Nation, and this is what I want to do. And he went straight to the head of Live Nation, Rick Franks, and it took months to get people to understand the idea. And it was weird because even the very first night in Detroit, all the guys from Live Nation and Brett's management team and everybody were out there, and they're like, oh. We didn't get it. It was like we've we've all explained it to you since until we were blue in the fucking face. <laughs> Come on stage while we're playing. There's no set changes. There's no nothing like that. We just introduce guy. He comes out. He sings his song. And for some reason, that didn't translate in any of the till the night opening night. And once opening night happened, I remember thinking, "Oh God, like it's so different." We opened in Detroit, and we did. I think 12,000 tickets in Detroit. And the next day, the reviews were great. And all you need is that first day. The reviews come out the first night. And then all of a sudden, the tickets were selling. The crowds were there. And we had packed amphitheaters every night. And and we've already signed on to do 12 more uh, of the Live Nation sheds next year with a new version of it that is going to be super fucking cool. Sure. Well, no, and look, go ahead. Eric, I was going to say, you know, I, you know, what, now that we're friends, and I and I've been friends with Norman, yeah, uh, yeah. For, for for a couple of years now, and I get to kind of see a peek into your lives on social media, and I have to say, like being in the Brett Michaels band seems like the most fun thing <laughs> a musician could be a part of, and I'm a little jealous. I have to say, I mean, you guys look like you have nothing but a good time. Well, Norman, Norman, that is his life. Like if it wasn't fun, Norman would just go home. He do, right. he he doesn't want to do anything that's not fun, and it, and it is fun. That's what Brett Brett Brett's in the business of fun. To be honest with you, he's not in the business of impressing musicians. He never has been. Brett right. is in the business of making sure everyone around him has a good time. To the point where, uh, and this is going to sound kind of, it might not sound right, but it's even important for him that our crew is having fun on stage. Like. You know, if you hand Brett an out-of-tune guitar, you don't get yelled at. But if, <laughs> right. you, but if he looks over at you and you're not smiling, then you're in trouble. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you're on the stage or represent the Brett Michaels band, you're supposed to be having a good time. And if you're not, he'd rather you just go find something else to do. No <laughs> meltdowns. Like, like, if you have some guitar problem, he doesn't want to see you cussing at somebody or throwing your guitar at somebody or no, no. And I've had, out on security. I've had those a couple of times. There was one night, and, but again, me and him, it's 20 years. And, and right. you know, I think by now, you know, I'm his music director and, and I do a lot within the company. So sure. I'm, I'm a lot more than just, just uh, one just of the like guys. I am in Piercy's band. You're that yeah. guy in Brett's yeah. band. And so I, I have, I get away with a little bit more than someone else could. I'm not going to get fired if I throw a tantrum, but I, I did one night uh, recently, one night in the last, since COVID the monitors were, I don't know if you, I think I asked you this last time we talked, Eric, uh, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to insult anyone, but ever since COVID, we lost a lot of people in the industry 
and local crews, local crews aren't what they used to be. And, and it's, it gigs are harder. Would you say that? Oh, it's funny. I was just reflecting on that yesterday. I went, man, these, these guys are making it harder to put on a good show. That's it. It's exactly true. And some, I forget what it was, but the, the monitors were, the monitors were like amateur hour. Like I had better monitors in, in high school. It, it was making mm-hmm. me crazy and I just kind of lost my temper and I took the monitors. I put my, I left my guitar and I took my hands with both hands. I went down, I bent down and I just flipped the monitors up over into the pit on the stage. And, and, uh, uh Brett looked over at me <laughs> and I could see all he thought was, well, at least you went big. <laughs> right. Like that was the saving grace of it was that it was enough to make the news that it wasn't just, yeah, I'm fucking guitar didn't, you know, like, like, like it was, at least it was a show that someone would have talked about, but I was mad, man. And, and, and he told me, don't ever do that again. But on stage, he laughed about it and he called me out and said something about, uh, I forget what he said, but, but yeah, you just got to have a good time on the, and you're welcome to join us anytime, Eric. It's party. What? Come, come, oh man, that would be like, oh, grab a guitar and, and I, and I got, you know, I'm going to say things I shouldn't say, but putting Summer's Party Girl together next year, you're uh you're got you guys have been mentioned not that you would do it i know you have your own things going on you and steven and everything mm-hmm. but your name constantly the steven piercy band constantly comes up on the top of the list of what brett would like to see happen oh wow that's amazing i've just got goosebumps i know you can't see it with the cool <laughs> alligator skin jacket i have on but uh man, you just goosebumps me. it's about songs our whole tour is about songs you know like the journey songs and the sugar ray songs and you know who else but Steven? There's 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 only five or six of them that can walk out and play round and round, and it's it's you know what it is, man. Do you know what you? How do you feel every night you play round and round? You're very similar to me in age and and our and our right. luck of having the gig. That, oh, I love people, it. People always ask, like, you know, hey, what, what's your favorite song to play? The rat stuff. And, and you know, they're, I don't know if they're disappointed to hear me say round and round, but that that song makes people so happy right. when they come out. That makes me happy. You guys are happy. Well, then I'm happy because when I see all these smiling faces, how am I going to look pissed off? I'm happy, too. Right, you know? right. So it works. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you, you get it. It's about the songs, but even without Steven around, man, if you show up at one of our gigs, we'll put a guitar in your hand and come on out, man. <laughs> I'd nice. love that. I would love That'd that. Be great. What is your background up there, man? Are you, is that a, you're in the back of a club or is it strip club? I, it's uh, I took a screenshot from uh most Eisley spaceport from the star Wars uh, film. It looks like they actually photoshopped a, a weird angle that has uh, <laughs> uh Greedo and, uh, club and and a galaxy far far away strip club there it is <laughs> that's right because we're having it our is, own party grow over here <laughs> i actually like did a did a theme in the beginning beginning of the show i kind of changed i do that a lot i'll like sing chris aiken presents themes different ones from different movies so i was like chris aiken it's the chris aiken presents you know i was like doing all that shit that's awesome. awesome. Well, Pete, let's talk about your book, man. I mean, there's we could talk Brett Michael stuff all day, but the, the real reason we want to talk, and and I guess it maybe kind of plays into the book as well, is you have um you have written a book called MTV Famous. I I will admit I am barely scratched the surface of it because I only got it a couple of days ago, sure. so I've I've only read read maybe twenty thirty pages. 
What I'm getting out of this, though, is, one, you're, you're funny. And I don't know how many people realize that, you know, you translate well to to the written word, word okay. which is hard to do. But you're telling some real world kind of stuff about how MTV fame does not equal MTV riches that people assume. <laughs> That's what the book starts as. Right. right. Uh, you know, the term MTV famous was never going to be the name of the book. Uh, it was something that the co-writer with me kept putting in there to describe what it was that I was chasing as a child. And, uh, and so as we were looking for a title, one day I just said to him, let's call it MTV Famous and really focus more on what that whole thing meant to me. And it's interesting, the day the book came out, I got a handful of, of backlash from the rock community who the fuck is he? He doesn't, he's not famous at all. He wasn't even around during the MTV era. And it was like, I had to go start explaining to my, everyone. That's not what I'm, I'm not saying I'm MTV famous. I'm saying that it's what as a kid inspired me to chase it. But I follow the kiss rule. Controversy equals popularity. Talk shit all you want, as long as you're talking. So, <laughs> right. But, but yeah, we yeah. all felt that way, uh, you know, back I'm the MTV generation too. I, I mean, I was uh, eight, nine years old when MTV started. That was my it, whole upbringing we all had that was our dream oh i want to be on mtv someday and man if it wasn't for you know piercy serendipitously moving in across the street for me i don't even know if i would have been able to like live this life right uh, that that you live the same 80s rock life that we we were just gifted to be a part of even though we were just kids at the time when they these guys were doing it you know right right you i mean of all like like we talked last time on the show of all people you would probably relate to everything I, I say in the book. Cause I think we're the same age, aren't we? Close I'm 50 it? right now. I'm 51 in November. I just turned 51. So, and, but you play in another band too, right? Uh, I've played in a couple other bands. Uh, briefly. I, I was uh, in a lineup of bow. Wow. 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 wow that's right. Yeah. How yeah, yeah, yeah. cool was that? It was fun. I mean, that was a, a challenge to like all of a sudden be playing like a big, stupid Gretsch guitar. You know, I say stupid because Chris calls it stupid. I, don't, I actually <laughs> like Gretsch guitar. But uh, anyways, it was like a, a real departure from what I would normally do. But I, but like with Brett Michaels band, it allowed me to have more fun because it wasn't such a serious rock thing. It was more, uh, you know, dancing and they had Timbales and stuff. Yeah, and it was yeah. just like this crazy island feel. So I just had fun with it. Like guitar wise, it was very remedial. You yeah, know? sure. But that allowed me to, to get my fancy footwork down and do my river dance. All that music's yeah. great, man. That music's great. <laughs> but Chris, to, back to asking about the book, and, and thank you for having me to, to talk about it. Sure. Uh, it. It starts as the journey. The first half of the book is, I, if you notice, the first half is called pre-Brett Michaels, and the second half is called post-Brett Michaels. Right. And it's it's um my very first my first book, the moments that make us, uh, was. Very successful. I got so excited about that. Um, it, it was very rewarding that the reviews and and that people took away something um, from it because it wasn't about the music business. It was about the struggles of being a single father and and just it, it wasn't about the music business. Right. And a lot of people wanted a music book from me when they found out I was writing a book, and it wasn't that, but they still accepted it, embraced it, and it was very much. Um, every story in that book is made to make you think about yourself and mm -hmm. relate to that. And I wanted to carry that on to this book, but make it a music book. So if you've noticed, if you've read a page or two, you notice that everything challenges the reader to remember 
where they were mm-hmm. at the moment of the story I'm telling. You, you know what I mean? And uh, and it, I'm proud of it. I'm super proud of the book. I just got off the phone with Steve Brown actually from Trickster. That's why, to be honest with you, that's why I was a couple minutes late calling you guys. And uh, he w- he'd been reading it over the weekend, and he was like, "You're just like me. With every story you tell is exactly the same." And Eric, I guarantee you, if you read it, you'd feel the same way. You'd right, read, right. You know, because we're all from that same age. Sure. And uh, and. I, I, I think that the stories are engaging and interesting. I think that it gives a look behind the scenes in the music business as it goes on. You, you know, you're, if you've only read a few pages, you, I'm mm-hmm. still, I'm still a kid. Right. As you get to the era in the Brett Michaels band, I talk about, it goes dark to be honest with you. Uh, it goes into the loneliness of the road. It goes into, uh, you know, I, I tell the story about my father died while I was playing Sturgis. Right. You can't get fucking home from Sturgis fast enough. There's right. nothing you can do. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I played the show that day. We were driving into Sturgis, and uh, I got the call that my father had passed away at about 10 o'clock in the morning. And I got there. And you guys know Jesse? You have to know Jesse. Yeah, James. yeah. Jesse James? Yeah. And I uh, just saw him this week. Just played with him last night or the day, <laughs> night before in uh, South Dakota. I All right. Yeah. And uh, J- Jesse was... Um, Jesse was filming that TV show Full Throttle at the time. Yeah. And so he had got word that my dad had passed. And when I stepped off the bus, he had the cameras there. I don't blame him. Like, I wasn't ready for it. And, and but he was, when you're making a reality show, I was part of Rock of Love. I know what it's like. When you're making a reality show, you, you have to get them. If there's a moment of interest or a moment of impact, get it. So I stepped off the bus and Jesse was right there. He's like, oh, so, you know, I don't know what he expected me to say, but the fact that I said I was going to play that night uh, made for good TV if you ever go back and watch the episode. And they ended up uh, dedicating the whole episode to my dad or whatever. But my point is, the I, I, I talk about these stories in my life uh, that that really explain the music business in, um, in the darkest and the best times. But I never sell anyone out. I never talk shit. It's never about... Uh, banging a bunch of chicks or or any of that it's just about the real life sure well well pete i'll tell you that i mean i i too write books i've written six and two of them are very dark you Mm -hmm. know are dark one was i wrote in real time going through a divorce like day by day in real time so you know that's not a happy it was chris's empire strikes back (laughs) it really is and and then the other was about an industrial accident that i was in that was a mess and um you know but they're dark and i and i i love when i get response back from people that are like you helped me or you you did this It, it is the reward but at the same time I, I, I can only speak for me, and I'll ask you if you feel the same way. It took an awful lot of intestinal fortitude to lay it all out there yes, yes. And, and have people judge it, judge my hardest, worst times ever. Do you feel the same way? Uh, 100%. Uh, when I wrote the first book, because, again, that, that was about losing my family and what I had to do to get through that and stuff like that, like the divorce, and, and, and uh, I remember thinking to myself, do I even need to put this out there? But it did help people. And that's the reward. But, 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 and that's what people have come to. Uh, the people that follow me and my friends and the fans and stuff, they've come to know me as the guy that bears my soul. And there's a certain reward to that. And the fact that you said I was funny in the book is the greatest. That's that you've given me the greatest gift in the world. I've never been the funny guy. 
I've never, but, but I did try to inject some humor into the book very much. And, uh, but yeah, you lay it on the line and, and you put it out there and then you, then you lay awake at night wondering if you should have done that. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. And, and you have, I don't know if you did, but I got, I got in, in my six books, I got two negative reviews out of all six books and I've sold like 10,000 books. Yeah. So I've done, I've done pretty well with the books. Got two negative reviews, and those are still the ones that bug me. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, Chris, for two hundred bucks a month, I could get those buried uh, through my uh, review boost service. Right? You know, you know, what's funny is I've learned in the music industry to, com- I am completely, absolutely numb to the critics. Right. Um. They. They. And and again, Eric may feel this way. I don't know where you are, but they're they're when you're playing the hair metal genre. There's always some, even your own kind will attack you. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is go on the metal sludge boards and find out that everybody hates you. <laughs> right. Metal sludge, you know, I will say they, they helped me grow with uh, a thick skin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah we, yeah. we both played for our guys for about probably the same amount of time. I got the gig with Steven about, yeah. you know, 2001. Yeah. And uh, that metal sludge was alive and well. And I was horrified to see what they were saying about me. Yeah. And, but it made me a better player and personal around because I just kept at it. And I, if, if there was things they were pointing out, I got a little better with it. But yeah. then just like you, I stopped looking at it at all because I just, better off if, if there's a particular avenue that's saying bad things i'd rather not know about it right and just right. move and forward the with the positive thing there's this there, you know and me and stevie rochelle i would consider us really good friends mm-hmm. so me too same and, here and, and he he said he helps me out a lot and 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 he's wonderful but those message boards are so brutal and I, I i get to the point where i laugh because there's this guy on there that that he constantly used to talk about how bad I played nothing but a good time and why wouldn't Brett fire me. And Mm -hmm. at one point I did go back. I must've watched a hundred videos trying to figure out what is he talking about? Like (laughs) I'm not Edward Van Halen, but I'm playing the goddamn song. Right. I know I, right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and this guy would just attack me over and over again about my good time. And, uh, um, and then one day it just, it just, you know, it just turns off. One day you just turn it off and it's like, who fucking cares? I got yeah, the- no longer bothers you out of sight, out of mind. And right, right. Move on. But in turn to that, there are a couple. Uh, I have a I have two people gave me a number three rating on Amazon on the new book. They don't say anything bad. No one says anything bad. There's no bad reviews. But mm-hmm. just the fact that there's two number three ratings makes me insane. I'm like, why? Why did you? <laughs> right. You know, and I had a friend of mine on my first book accidentally hit number one instead of number five, like the stars or whatever. Right, right, right. Oh, he, yeah. He thought the one was the like number one, like great. And I was like, oh, we got to get that. I like I wrote everyone I could trying to get that to race and they finally took it down or whatever. I think we've all done that to the Uber driver, you know, it's sometimes <laughs> by mistake. Right, right. Oh, one's bad. No. <laughs> so can I ask, Eric, are you an actual Star Wars fan? I was uh, definitely when I was a kid in the 70s. I, uh, the, you know, after uh, Return of the Jedi, that kind of ended the, the, the original trilogy they put out. I was all about it. I had all the toys. Yeah. It was like a religion for me. You know, I would like right. pray to Star Wars and oh, it was terrible. I, unfortunately, I am still that guy. <laughs> what about the newest stuff? Well, I was just going to ask. I was I was going to ask if and what about you, Chris? Are you are you? I'm. 
you know what? I'm surrounded by like total nerds, like the real nerds that could tell you that Tatooine's third moon is three parsecs from, you know, those guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not that guy. I enjoy them without. What, what do you mean surrounded by? <laughs> all my friends, all my oh, yeah. friends, literally my best friend, John, he has Star Wars tattooed star wars yeah, yeah. like he, he's I, I, that kind of a fan <laughs> oh there you go Mandalorian <laughs> but i've had yeah. that for almost 30 years way before sure. wait but uh um i'm a fanatic do I'm, you do I, you like the newest stuff like the like, rogue one or the i thought rogue one was absolutely amazing um uh, like ahsoka's the new series or whatever yeah and, and I, like literally it comes on tomorrow at nine o'clock and i don't I, I'm beside myself. Every I'm just trying to find shit to do till it comes on. <laughs> yeah. I gotta try to get back into it. I think definitely th there was a special for me, uh, special chemistry with the with the original oh, yeah. cast of the Nothing movies. Like that. that was hard to, for them to 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 lock in a newer character. Like, who do you think did the best job actor wise of becoming a memorable character through these newer Star Wars films? The, those those that last trilogy, um, mm -hmm. that robot's the one that <laughs> BB-8's the one that BB-8, yeah, most powerful. If you ask me, um, I I hear what you're saying. Um, I liked the guy that played the character of Poe Dameron. Um, I forget that guy's name. Do you know who I'm talking about? I'm not sure which one he. Well, Chris could look it up. I'm looking it up. I him. thought the guy, the kid that looked like uh, Darth Vader. Uh, the, oh, oh the yeah, last. he was great. The Kylo Ren character. Kylo Ren, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. That Kylo Ren, that was a good character. That's that was memorable for me. Um, yeah, but I, I, I will tell you, much like like Chris says, uh, I spent a lot of my life thinking that I was the biggest Star Wars fan on the planet. Right. Oh no. <laughs> and then one year, I took my kids to what's called Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. Right where the okay. where they come from all over the world, and I was I walked in that thing about ten minutes, and I looked around and I realized I'm I'm nowhere near the biggest Star Wars fan in the world. There's people that that like they spend thousands of dollars on making these cosplay costumes and mm -hmm. right, dude. That's my friend John. For his birthday, he got a uh, he had to build it and paint it, but he got like the stormtrooper costume. That's a and he lot. had to build and and like he goes to celebration. Every time they have it, yeah, I got, Every, you're, um, I got Chris. It. Yeah, Chris, you, you got to, you, you reminded me of pretty much the greatest day of my young life, okay. which took place. I'm originally from New Jersey, but I've, I've lived in California for, for, you know, over 40 years now, but uh, originally I was living in New Jersey and in like 1979, they had a, a surprise like Star Wars day at our school and it was the most mind-blowing thing because obviously that we that was our life as a kid said so the late 70s was star wars of course right uh the toys were the kenner had was out with the toys and everything yeah. so we get there they had the full cosplay like anybody from the movie that was ha that they had a costume for where you didn't have to like they didn't have, have han solo or princess Leia, but they had jawas they had darth vader they had chewbacca so they they would put all these uh characters in the different parts of the school like you know uh <laughs> chewbacca would be in the cafeteria and um darth vader would be in the library and we went around and we like got their autographs and like darth vader had like really nice penmanship he was like darth vader <laughs> and then uh then like Chewbacca, he he was in character, so he just like made an X. He was like, <laughs> uh, 
you know, and it was so awesome. They had uh, the little kids as Jawas, but, and then in um, one of the rooms, they had the making of Star Wars where they had like, they pulled out the reel to reel projector and oh, they actually wow. had the making of the movie on reel to reel projector. And I, it was the most magical day of, of my kid's life. life. What yeah, part yeah. of Jersey did you grow up in? Which city? Yeah, what part? Oh, uh, in New Jersey, uh, Bell Mead was where this happened, which was near Somerville. Oh, cool. Uh, most of my family was was were Jersey City people. My my uh, my Greek family immigrated here in like the 1940s, uh, and they opened uh, a diner on Nork Avenue in Jersey City. And uh, Andrea's they had that going for for uh, up through uh, I think 1977 was when they finally sold uh, the restaurant because things got you know drugs and everything changed the whole landscape yeah, yeah, there, yeah. and it just got a little too violent and crazy. But uh, yeah, my earliest memories were all East Coast, Jersey. So I have a little Jersey in me, and I have to apologize for it sometimes. It comes nah. out. Hey, John Bon Jovi is from Jersey. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? No, I mean, you could take the kid out of Jersey, but you can't take Jersey out of the kid. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I want to swing back to Star Wars. Um, I I did not love Rogue One. I know you, you said you love it. I couldn't get past the the blind Indian guy that had all the, the force powers. He, who, he just who now plays that exact same character in the new John wick movie. Have you seen it? I, I, I you know what? I have it queued to watch, but I have not watched it yet. He's, he's doing the he's, same thing. He's that guy. He's <laughs> a martial arts expert. that can kick anyone's ass. It's, they just <laughs> took him from rogue one and put him in, in nice John wick. I, I got to ask your opinion on the one that I just did not like. And, I, and like I said, I'm a kind of a casual, but I generally enjoy Star I hope Wars. that you guys' fans aren't going to nerd uh, me out. Ah, whatever. No, not at all. <laughs> whatever. If they do, they do. Um, the one I don't like at all, hated the book of Boba Fett. So. Did you same or? So, first of all, I'm a loyalist till the end. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm one of those guys that even if you put shit out, if I decide I've got your back, I've got your back. Okay. <laughs> nice. Right. I've been watching Saturday Night Live since 1982, waiting for a good episode. Uh, <laughs> right. I've, I've, I've been certain that Kiss is going to put out a good record since 1988 and, uh, or since 1978. And, and I wait and I'm loyalist to the end. And Boba Fett is my absolute favorite Star Wars character of all time. Um, mm -hmm. Literally, literally, Boba Fett caused me problems in my marriage. How much I like Boba Fett. <laughs> Let me just it's, it's it's I could go on and on and on, and I waited my whole life for that series. Okay, and it is out of the entire thing, including the prequels, including Jar Jar Binks. It was the most let down I've ever been in my life. Oh, I agree. I, and I'm the same. I can remember when I was a little kid, when I was 10 years old, I'm a little bit older than you guys, but not my, I'm 54, 55. Um, I had the little Boba Fett, you know, the, remember the action figures and oh, yeah. I, I had the action figure and I had the death star, like the whole death star that had the paper had outlining and all that stuff on it. And I used to, that was my character like me and my brother we would be yeah. playing star wars and he'd be darth vader or whatever and i'd be boba fett and you yeah. know that was what we were doing miles when the days it was 
But that book, the boat, and like you, it was the one I was waiting for. I didn't really care about Han Solo. I sort of knew the story. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, the the prequels, I did not love. I didn't right. hate them, other than the first one. I hated. Yeah, yeah. But, too much time went but, by. Too much well, time went by it, before it, they it put just, out. It was too weird. It so, was too weird to see modern video before. Yeah. Yeah, right. Video, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna say, and it's gonna be unpopular, uh, especially on a on a uh, on a uh, talk show podcast with, sure. with three uh, middle aged white dudes. I'm gonna sound <laughs> like I'm, I'm gonna the the uh, the the Me Too generation and the LGBTQ crowd are gonna attack me. Come after people, you. But I am so sick of Disney forcing the women hero thing because oh, yeah. because what they keep forgetting is Leia was the hero before all of this Leia was Leia but, was the fucking hero you don't yeah. have to, you don't have to do this she she was the queen of everything and you you in 1978 you made a fucking movie where where a woman was the fucking hero they weren't going to blow up the death star unless she gave R2 the plans that's right that's right so what so the book of Boba Fett? What bothers me about the book of Boba Fett was he's supposed to be the baddest ass motherfucker on the in the galaxy, mm-hmm. but yet, yet that other character, which happens to be a woman, saves his ass on every fucking episode. Mm-hmm. Every episode, it's like you, so you can't even win a fucking one fight anymore without this chick's help. And there's been that theme in almost all the Star Wars stuff lately. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, Pete, were you disappointed when uh, you went into a Boba tea and found out that it had nothing to do with Boba Fett? <laughs> no, but I will tell you this. <laughs> I have a dog that's name is Boba. And Boba has 15,000 Instagram fans. And he's a service dog to my girlfriend. And, uh, I don't know if you know much about animals, but he's a cattle dog, uh, Australian. Oh, they're the, they're they're so fun, yeah. And they're brilliant. Yeah, and my my dog is so smart that three different colleges have studied him. It's ridiculous what he can do. And if you look it up, you will find that he was the first non-human to ever be invited to a rocket launch for NASA. He was the <laughs> non-human wow. ambassador at a rocket launch, right? So anyway, his he's an amazing dog, and his name is Boba. And oh, great. people ask if it's about Boba T and I want to punch him in the fucking throat. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I didn't even know if you were going to know that reference. I go, I don't think he's getting this. Oh shit. And you oh, totally get it. Oh no, I get it totally. In fact, uh, uh, yeah, the, one of the businesses that I run, um, we switched warehouses about three years ago. I moved into a different warehouse and the warehouse that took my old warehouse over was a, a company doing the Boba tea. And that's where I learned about it. Now it's everywhere where I live. Yeah. It's everywhere, but yeah, the boba tea doesn't bother me. But when someone thinks my dog's named after that tea instead of boba, it's it makes me fucking mad. (laughs) Isn't um the now with the back? I'm sorry to go back to the toys, but I I had an affinity for the toys as as a kid, and the the value of some of these things turned out to be astronomical. And I think definitely like the boba fett. If you had the bigger boba fett, that was one of the most. You have it still. 
Yeah, let me show you something real quick. I'm going to walk away from the screen. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. I have pictures too. Like, I mean, there's all the Christmas pictures in the late 70s sure. and 80s where you could see me getting these toys, uh, the Millennium Falcon, right. uh, you know, and these things. I, I, I really made my, my family go after this stuff. They loved me so much, especially my grandparents. Right. They used to go all over Jersey to find these, these action figures, which were pretty damn expensive in retrospect. They were charging five bucks back in the late seventies for first for the individual little three inch star Wars guys. Right. And now, you know, I, I think I sold most of my uh, collection by the early two thousands. I cashed out on it and got, they were all played with. I sold a bunch of mine back when the, when the grunge era came and I thought I wasn't going to be in the music business anymore. And I was panicking and thought everything was, I sold every guitar and every star Wars toy I had. Oh wow! Just while I needed time to make a plan. But right. this is the original Kenner. There it is, yeah. The one that you would order with enough proof of purchases. Mm -hmm. So you can't, I don't know if you can see it, but this thing's fucking valuable. Oh, yeah. This one's, the original's valuable. You see how his foot's turned up a little bit? Mm -hmm. Oh. When I was a kid, my dog chewed the foot off and we oh. So there's no value to him. No one wants him at all. He's not worth anything, but. There he is. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. That was the one you could not buy it in a store. You had to, yeah. You had to cut the little corner off of the <laughs> other ones and mail in like twenty of them or something. Yeah. They were the Star Wars. Kenner was the pioneers of that sort of marketing, where they they they, they actually would put one of the first things was like some kind of little stage or something that the Star Wars guys could stand on. Yeah, that's and right. You the proof of purchases out there and a little pads and all that. Yeah, you know. Before I forget, I want to tell you this. There's a local music store down the street from me. This guy named Matt runs this place called Matt's Guitars. And uh, be honest with you, he's, he's turned into one of my good friends. He's a wonderful guy. But when he first opened, when I was a child, I used to work at music stores. And I was there when the Guitar Center takeover kind of crushed all the mom and pops, which I don't get mad at because Guitar Center was a mom and pop too. He just figured out how to do it. I don't, I'm not one of those guys that gets mad about Walmart and shit like that. Sam, Sam Waltner, whatever his name is, mm -hmm. uh, he just had a drugstore in Arkansas. He just did it better. So, so, I, so I'm not one of those guys that gets mad, but I'm just saying. Right. So, but I know what happened in the music industry. And this guy, Matt, comes in and he tells me, uh, he comes into uh, Shining Soul when I'm there one day. And he says, um, I'm thinking about opening a guitar shop, an old school guitar shop. What do you think? And I'm like, dude, so dumb. I, I was like, yeah, it's the dumbest idea I've ever fucking heard. Don't ever fucking do. Like, I was, I was brutally honest with him. So, anyway. He's open a store and he's he's killing it. He's he's doing great in town. But I walk in there and he has your guitar hanging on all. He has a green Charvel. Nice, the slime green guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I want to buy it, but I I don't want to steal your guitar. No, you know what? Brandon uh, Paul also has this has a guitar, which I wanted to congratulate Brandon Paul because I, I Charvel sends you know, their new adverts to my email and whatever. And I open up my, my email from Charvel and who's on there, but Brandon Paul ha is playing the, the new line of Charvel. So that, that kid actually got oh, that's full cool. blown endorsed and, and he works so hard, you know, yeah. and he does everything right. And uh, has put so much more effort into promoting himself than I have. Right. <laughs> you know, I have to say and he deserves I, it. I, he I deserves it. it, but he also plays it. I play it when I go in there and the neck is, is the neck on it. It's wonderful. And I always think, oh, I should just buy it. Every time I walk in that fucking place, I buy a guitar though. He has those EVH guitars. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So I, and there's a, if, not that it matters, but that's the actual, my green guitar from my childhood that's on the cover of my book. Oh, nice. Wow. Like that's not, that guitar is not just a, um, uh, art. It's, it's the actual guitar that I tell. There's stories in my book about that. You'll get into it about, uh, when I was a kid that, uh, locally, you know, I used to be a BMX rider. I imagine, and how old are you, Chris? 50, I'll be 55 in the month. So the same age. You're the same. Yeah, a couple years older. Were you both into BMX? Did you? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Freestyling and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So Jumping ramps. Hell yeah. yeah. But if you remember, and you probably remember being from Jersey because the company was from Jersey that made those tough wheel accessories, the mag wheels and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so my bike was green. Like I had the mushroom yeah. grips. Yeah. And my wheels was all, they'd match green. So the my green parents, machine. Yeah. So my parents had that guitar made for me because of the bike, which is really ironic because it's the exact same guitar CC plays in a nothing but a good time video. It's a BC rich. Right. So a lot of people think that I was copying CC. I had that before it even fucking came out. But um, so because that guitar was so bright and a time where guitars weren't, that was pre Ibanez before it gets it. It was unique back then, is what I'm saying. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. It was pre neon guitar thing. And uh, there's a story I tell in the book about um, me and my singer. I was maybe 14. My singer and my little high school band. We were um, getting into trouble around town, and uh, just we, there was a, a house, a neighborhood being built, and we were throwing rocks through the windows. Something, whatever the fucking stupid things we were doing. <laughs> and, and the cops caught us. And I'm scared to death. I'm thinking. I'm fucking 14 years old and I'm going to jail. I don't know. I, I, you know, and the cop says, are you the kid with that green guitar? Cause it was such talk around town. The, the, cause we would play gigs at 14. I was playing all kinds of gigs and uh, the cop let us off. And it was because of that that fucking guitar. Nice. Yeah. So cops love to rock. I mean, we've, I mean, and Piercy, one thing he has always said, he's always been a proponent of being nice to cops. Yeah. Yeah. Is there okay? Because he's had times where he's gotten into trouble, and they're like, "Oh yeah, 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 you're piercing. Let him go." <laughs> we've 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 had that. I've told stories where where the cops have shown up, and if it wasn't for for playing in Piercy's band, I would have been in the Who Scout myself on a couple occasions in my younger yeah. days. Yeah, you know. No, I get it. And there's there as you as later on in my book, that's a big theme in the book is is the power of the guitar, as I call it. And I have there's probably eight or nine stories I tell where. I've been in a lot more fucking trouble if I didn't know Brett or I wasn't in a band, <laughs> you know, right. there's, there's certain perks worth more than the money without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah. Well, Pete, let's, let, let's um, cover a couple of other quick things here. You are, you are the entrepreneurial guy. You have both the candle business as well as the, um, you're now in the liquor business. Um, talk about both of those things. I will tell you this. People like alcohol. <laughs> what? <laughs> especially my girlfriend susan if i have one, if i have one regret in my life it's not getting into that business much earlier okay it's, um, it's i i've only had it out for three months i'm actually wearing the shirt the bare knuckle bourbon which is weird because i make fun of brett for wearing his face on his shirt and now here i am doing it but uh <laughs> but it's my bourbon so it's different it's product but right anyway um it's such, a, it's such a deep story um you know when i started the candle business which by the way we just celebrated uh this weekend was 
seven years that my first brick and mortar store had been open. Been in business for 10 years, but the first brick and mortar has been open seven. Um, and uh, I was into candles. That sounds, maybe that sounds weird, but I, I, I was into candles. So it was very organic why I made the candle and started being in the candle business. Um, and everything I like to do, I like it to be real and, and, and organic and about me. I'm, I, I don't claim to be, some huge influence on people. I have a small following of people that seem to really like what, what I do and are behind me. And, and um, I like to celebrate my lifestyle, so to speak. And I also like to celebrate my hometown. If you follow me enough, you know that, that I, uh, I have that John Cougar Mellencamp, John Bon Jovi thing. I, I, I've never left my hometown. I spent an enormous amount of time in LA and an enormous amount of time in New York, but I live in Manassas, Virginia, and my roots are here. And, and that's, that's, that's who I am and who I want to be. And um, so as I'm looking for things to get into and, and just what can I do to be part of my town? What can I do that's something about me? Um, there was a local DJ in town that released his own bourbon that's a really good friend of mine. And we were talking one day and he said, why don't you fucking do that? Like, cause I, I'm a whiskey drinker. And, uh, I, I said, I guess I just never really thought about it. So I went to the local distillery here and I said, I know this is going to sound, I just walked in. I said, this is going to sound fucking dumb, but, uh, would you be interested in doing a private label with me on, on some whiskey? And, uh, they, they'd never really done that with anyone before, but they, uh, <coughs> They did some research and they called me back and they thought it was a good idea. And, and boy, it was, it was a lot of work. I learned a lot of things I didn't have any idea about. I didn't just, I didn't just put my face on the thing. I, I picked the barrels. I harvested the barrels. I spent days with them learning how the process was. And, 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 you know, um, and I got really passionate about what makes a good bourbon, a bourbon. And, uh, you know, when I first went in, they said, well, what do you want? I said, I just want it to be as good or better than Jack Daniels. That's all I want. You know? <laughs> Simple <laughs> request. Is that yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I went through this whole process, man. And let me tell you, worse than, worse than you and me talking about letting your heart out there on a book, mm -hmm. there's a lot of fucking whiskey snobs out there. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And, and as I was doing this, I started to think, Fuck, man, there's nothing I'm going to be able to do to get everyone to like this. There's someone's going to hate this real bad and, and yep. rip on me or whatever. And, uh, and so I didn't, I chose, I went expensive with it. Like the bottle, the bottles over $65 a bottle. Uh, and it, it's 98 proof. Every single thing about it has something important. Like the reason we picked 98 proof is because 1998 was the year I signed my first record deal. Um, every little thing about it has some part of history that pertains okay. to who I am. And um, uh, so far the reviews have been solid. There's not, I, I don't have the, I don't have that one bad review yet of this, but uh, it, it's interesting and, and people like it. The, the hardest part about the bourbon was trying to convince people that it wasn't a collector's item or a gimmick. It's not merch. So right, pick up at the show and put on your shelf. I want you to drink it, and mm -hmm. you know what I mean. And uh, and it's gone well. I'm, I, but uh, it's gone well. People like it, and, and it's what's called a replenishable. Like candles are replenishable. I don't want to get all entrepreneurial on you, but you you said right. that the term uh, replenishable is that you have to buy it again. Mm -hmm. You know, 
but dog food is the most replenishable thing in the world. You have to buy your dog food over and over again. People will not eat themselves, but they'll make sure their dog has their food. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> That's uh, true. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so it, as an entrepreneur goes, a, re a, a replenishable item is what you want to have because they, they don't just buy it once. They have to buy it over and over again. And the hardest part was trying to make sure that everyone knew that I really, it's a real bourbon that's meant to taste great. And, uh, but if you go online and look at the reviews and stuff, the, like a bunch of magazines and bourbon places reviewed it and, and, and everything's been great. Um, that was nerve wracking though. That was nerve wracking because I didn't know enough going into it as learning as I was going. And as I was learning, I was finding out how many snipers there are out there in that bourbon world, but uh, I'm proud of it. It's cool. I think the bottle looks great. Tastes great. Everyone I've had taste it says it's, it's, it's good. Um, you know, but I don't make it, you know, it's not, you know, I don't, right. they made it, but uh, I like it. It's, it, it, it's really neat to do that. And um, actually uh, next week, <laughs> next week I will launch the second launch. I, before COVID, I started a company called the Virginia Sauce and Spice Company. And then when COVID came, I had to put all my eggs in the candle business to keep it running. Sure. So I let the sauce and spice thing go. And we're, me and the, my partner and that are just uh, relaunching that where, um, uh, but the first, the first um, product that we're launching is a uh, Jamaican jerk type of uh, super spicy Jamaican jerk. Um, marinade? Like, like a marinade. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that I've been making myself for years, uh, and it, we're we're releasing that next week. So I have uh, the candle business, I have the books, uh, the bourbon, and then the uh, the Virginia sauce and spice, uh, all kind of happening at once right now. So it's, it's a lot. It's overwhelming. And and then and then the party girl, the Brett Michaels machine. And we don't fucking stop. We just he you know is that how Stephen is too? Do you guys just play nonstop now? There's not, used to be we're gonna tour from this date to this date. Now it's just there's a, there's a bit of an age difference, you know, with, with, uh, that, that, uh, seven, eight year difference with Brett and Steven is, is a little more noticeable. Uh, Brett physically probably handled, you know, tour plan a show every day. Right. Uh, where I think Steven's, you know, more picking and choosing what, uh, what he does, you know, um, but you guys don't have a, you don't, you don't have a, we're taking December to March off. No, no, he's always he's always open to uh, whatever Sullivan uh, big time entertainment, you know, throws his way that he approves that makes sense. Uh, but I, it seems like we're on average, you know, we're starting to play almost every weekend, you I know, kind of like weekend no. warriors, yeah, yeah. if you will. Yeah. I don't know. That's a lot of time to spend with grumpy old Monaco, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how good he would do in, in, uh, in the Brett Michaels band because he can you know, sometimes. When he was in Enough's Enough, he played with us one night, and just us being there seemed to irritate him. <laughs> <laughs> I irritate him all the time. Yeah, but we have, we have our, he has his good days, too. I actually love the guy. I got to be honest. Yeah, yeah. He's I talented, know. dude. I love, he's super talented and he's super funny. And, and I guess I'll tell the world, right? Does he watch this show at all? I, I don't know. I'd probably probably not, but oh. so <laughs> I I I don't want to tell it because then the joke's gonna be over. But <laughs> but I know I and obviously you have to know how much of a germaphobe he is. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think he knows that I know that. Okay. <laughs> Every time I see him. Every time I see him, I shake his hand like 40 times. 
Come on, how you doing, man? How you doing? Oh, you guys were great tonight. I keep putting my hand out. I keep, and I, I, I just, it cracks me up. I, and those eyes, you know those Johnny Monaco eyes, right? They shoot lasers at you, fucking out of his eyes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I don't think he realized. Oh, you. I thought, and, and I don't think he realizes. And last time I did it was at the uh, at Monsters on the Mountain. Were you standing there with a handful of the guys came over? Monaco and Sullivan was was uh, was with him. And and I I don't think you were there. I don't. Those guys are always hanging out. I probably wasn't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Well, they came out. I had a candle booth set up as a vendor out there, and they all came out for a few minutes. Yeah, I don't think you were there. But that was the last time I did it, and I could see Sullivan looking at me. Because I kept going, oh, Johnny, how you doing? And I, I must have shook his hand 12 times in five minutes. <laughs> finally, he goes, finally, he goes, I got to go wash my hands. And I, said, yeah. I, I don't know. I just think that's fucking funny. I, I send him any gross thing I can. Like if I if I get a booger on a lampshade in my room or anything, I send him <laughs> a picture of it. I sent him the uh, photo that, that we had at the beginning of the show. There was a there was a large woman that was in the middle seat next to me and she had a bunch of warts and weird stuff on her arm and that was like forcing me into the window of the plane uh, <laughs> we put a we put a photo i sent him that and he's just like oh my god it's a leper <laughs> you know, that's amazing that's oh, hilarious you know but you were asking about just the business stuff the entrepreneur stuff to me is um first of all it's about inspiring my kids the whole thing's about inspiring my kids mm-hmm. early on I realized that my kids, you know, my youngest or my oldest son is now pursuing a career in the music business and um, which I'd give anything for him not to fucking do. I hate to say that, but <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and then my youngest son, I come to find out, I just when I thought whatever my youngest son does is going to be okay because he's not going to want to be in the music business. He wants to be an MMA fucking fighter. Wow. So, and I'm like, he's like, isn't that cool? I'm like, I, you know, do you, did you guys ever meet Leon Spinks by any chance? We know who he is. I, never I met know him. who he is, but so I never met Leon him. Leon used to, he lives in Vegas and he used to come out to see us all the time because his wife uh, is a, uh, is a big Brett fan. And Leon, just like all those fighters, like, I, like and, and Chuck Liddell, Chuck Liddell. Do you know? Who I know Chuck Chuck. Oh, yeah. Me and Brett have, uh, Going out shoot at the shooting range that Chuck goes to, and we see him sometimes. And those guys get the shit kicked out of them. They their brains don't function correct. I'm not mm-hmm. knocking any of them. Great. No, them. it's reality. Yeah. yeah. And my kids like my kids like I'm going to be an MMA fighter. Isn't that cool? And I'm like, God damn it, man! I don't want like I don't I don't want to sit and watch you get your even if you win that fight, you get your ass kicked. Yeah. You know? Right. Dude, I'd have to say uh, with MMA, it seems like it's not the same as boxers. Like boxers are continued boxing blow uh, round after round, where it seems like MMA is more of a grappling fest. No, it ain't. No, no? it's not. Chris You're, had an opinion. I, first of all, I, I love MMA. I watch all of it. Bellator, okay. UFC, ONE. Uh, if it's well triggered much, Chris. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Would you want your child to do that? No, you dude, get it right. You get. I, I totally. I, I mean, look to win the fight, you got to knock the other guy damn near dead. Right. I mean, that's that's what you have to do to win. I'll tell you how you stop them, though, Pete. And it's not showing them guys laid out. Show them, show them pictures of these guys' ears, just their ears, when they're being interviewed after the fight. Every single one of them looks like they got a keloid cyst coming out of both yeah, sides of their head. Ears. 
Wow. Hey, cauliflower ears. Yeah, but but yeah. most of the guys, the older they get, and I know this is dumb, but this is how much I watch MMA. <laughs> As they get older, their ears turn outward because they get so cauliflowered that it pushes their ears out, and it's it's a gruesome, gross look. And um, I've never paid attention, but if, if, I'm, before you guys are even done. I'll probably be sending him pictures of that. Yeah, it's it's absolutely brutal. But yeah, yeah I love it. You want to be a cauliflower ears when you grow up? <laughs> you're never gonna get it. You're never gonna get a wife this way. Jersey came out in you right then, buddy. That was a jersey <laughs> voice I've ever heard it. But the answer to the entrepreneurs thing was just that uh, my kids aren't college goers, and they're not sure. And and I just wanted. I started by wanting to show them. Uh, how to how to live? You know, you fear for for your kids' lives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's how the candle business started. And then, uh, uh, I started noticing that a lot of my friends, um, were inspired and, and that's neat to me to be able to inspire people. Just like writing the book. I tell everybody, you say, you know, you've written six books. Mm-hmm. It's fucking rewarding. Eric, I'm sure you've got three books in you from the, it just, just the 25 years you've been with fucking Steven. You've got to have Steve, it. Right. Record but, no books. I haven't. I haven't written. I haven't. Uh, I, I haven't written um, any books. But no, I mean, but I, I read. What I'm saying. Sure. It's so sure. rewarding. It's rewarding, but it's inspiring. And at this point in my age, in my life, the my biggest reward in anything I do is knowing that someone might walk away and go, "Well, that fucking dude can do it. So can I." Because yeah. It's just, it's, it's inspiring people to do things. Cause I know so many fucking people that are miserable. There's so many people mm-hmm. that, just don't, you know, cause I don't live in LA or New York where everyone's a giant star or a huge success. I live in small town America and you know, I walk out of my house and people are like, how the fuck did you end up on rock of love? Or how did you end up in Brett's band? Or how did you end up doing this or that? And there's so many people in that small town America that think stars are only made in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Well, they, it, it, it's not even only stars, Pete. And I'll tell you, it's funny because I know you think that you and Eric are kindred spirits. Yes. Me and you are equally kindred I spirits. I, I, I mean, well, I, I mean, even with the entrepreneurial thing, I own an IT business that I've had for 20 years. I have the fifth largest um, arcade in the country out there in near Pittsburgh. Really? I, yeah, I do. It's 420 machines in, on the floor. It's you unbelievable. Have, you have vintage games? Oh, yeah. That's all we have. No, look, no look Nintendo. Pinball PA. It's like it's the yeah. coolest place ever. It's huge. It's yeah, four hundred you know, machines. Do you know um, where? Where is that at? It's Aliquippa. It's just it's just what west of Pittsburgh. How long have you been in that business? Eight, eight nine years. Do you know who Mike Galata is? Know the name. Mike owns a bar in Pottsville called Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know Goodfellas and I know Pottsville. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, but he owns, um, he also owns Galata Entertainment and deals in in. He he doesn't sure. own an arcade, but he puts machines in different places. Sure, sure, sure. And bars and whatnot. Yeah, right. he gave me a. Uh, I have an authentic first year Ms. Pac-Man machine. Nice. That he gave me as a gift one time, and uh, I I take pride. So you're an arcade guy, man. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Into mm-hmm. it by passion or business, like you're. Um. I really wasn't an arcade guy. It was me and a friend that started it. 
um, just because we were looking for something to do, and he had these games in his back. He literally put a warehouse in his backyard yeah. to play games. And he sold his other businesses, and he asked me, hey, what do you think I should do? And I looked around, and I was like, this? Show him the picture, Chris. And, Show him the picture. Uh, I'll pull it up real quick. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it's really become a... A thing. <laughs> I know a little bit about it because on uh, probably two episodes ago, I, I started asking the same questions uh, you are, Pete. Yeah. I, was, I was interested in the place and how it started, how it worked, and he was explaining it to me. And it was, it, it looks awesome. Plus, the way it works, you pay like a flat fee. It's like twenty five bucks, and then you just get to hang out there for two hours. Oh, uh, cool! Playing all the machines are just turned on to, to free right. play. I said I'm free play. Yeah. Do you so, have what's what's the most popular game in there do you know um depends on the person really i mean it really just depends on the people i mean obviously the classics are the you know your defender and your pac-man and yeah, space yeah. invaders and and that you type dragon of stuff. in there oh yeah okay yeah. we talked about dragon slayer he doesn't he has dragon slayer but that was like a different type of game that ran off a laser disc yeah oh i got you yeah yeah there's it's a my difference place. And it was kind of a ripoff that game. We were talking about it. Can the you game see that, Pete? Play. I was when it, when it came out. I used to try to play, it, but look at all that, man. There's Donkey yeah. Kong, and it's all there. I mean, Roger. the the thing that I always tell people is the thing that separates us from everybody else is no duplicates. So when right. we say we have 420 games, we have 420 titles. Wow! So it's you have the Kiss Pinball Machine in there somewhere. Oh yeah, the '76 one. We 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 had the newer one, the one from like. 2016 or whatever yeah it, it just sucked it wasn't very good so we sold it what's the maintenance on those games man well that's that's where my my um my curator ed comes in that's his um <laughs> he um he maintains it he maintains it and my son maintains it and um it's constant believe me the the parts bill every month is definitely Parts and electricity are my two biggest. Four expenses. grand, four grand to keep the lights on. Just yeah, to keep the lights on. yeah, it's expensive. How big is that space? Um, eleven thousand square feet. Wow. And it's just it's nothing but machines. So, but the the point I was trying to make was just like you, I I have three businesses. I have the IT. I have this business, and I have a business um, collecting royalties for guys like you that are not getting your fair share of money from right. your from your work and i do all of it with my kids same exact thing is oh, yeah, you know same exact scenario yeah same you know my my son zach runs pinball pa for me i'm not in pa i'm in cleveland yeah, yeah. and my son mike runs pretty much my it business now and hey, we speaking of cleveland yeah what the, the hard rock that's there now mm-hmm we we played there Have it's you not there yet? anymore it's not there anymore yeah, what is it now? Ah, uh, I don't know what's there now. It it just was part of Tower City, then and, and they probably just threw something in there. But I, I don't think it's a. I don't even think it's a restaurant anymore, or a bar, or anything. Oh no, I, they. Um, I, I I'm talking about the casino. Don't don't you guys? Didn't you just open last year a Hard Rock Casino in Cleveland? Oh, we, it's been there a few years. The Jack, the Jack Casino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was that before? It that? was a department store. Okay. Like a Higby's or something. Okay. So. I couldn't figure out. I thought it was something. I thought it had been another casino that we'd played at. Have no. you been there, Eric? Uh, I have not. Did, have you, did you guys see the uh, 
the sphere in Vegas that yeah, YouTube's Jesus. just another thing at. You've been in that? Footage from that? I, I watched Eddie Trunk, uh, our buddy Eddie Trunk had you footage. Fucking Eddie built that thing the way he promotes it. Right? I, I know. I, but it, at least we got some uh, it look looks at this cool, thing. Though. I have to say, I was pretty amazed at what I was seeing from the U, when U2 was playing. I, I, I would, I would. I, I have so many questions about that. Thing. <laughs> right? You've seen it, Chris? I've seen I've seen tons of videos of it. So I haven't been there, obviously. Is that the new thing now? Is that is that I don't think so. No. Are way. we gonna have to pay a lighting director a fucking ten thousand no dollars a night to put shows like that on? No, because it, 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 it costs two point three billion to build the place. There's not gonna be many of them. I get it, but what an experience. Oh, I think Bon Jovi was there the other night watching YouTube too, but yeah. but uh it's Paul McCartney was there. Brett, I would think if, if, if Brett decided to go back and put poison together and do another massive thing, it could happen, but I think it's only well, wait a second, be, Chris. Wait I think it's only you guys trying be, to tell me that the party gras can't party in the sphere. I'm not I'm saying sorry, that. I'm saying, friend. I'm no, saying I, that like, right, there's now, a hole gonna, right now, right now it's going to be the Metallica's, rolling stones no, you're, right. you're, you're you're absolutely right but but just to cor- not to correct you but just to clarify with any fans there's never put poison back together they're always together i thought he said that he wasn't going to do poison anymore i thought i just read that no he he's going to do it in 2025 oh okay okay he, fair enough he, he's I'm corrected he's never ever uh he's never writing music with them again okay <laughs> right that's the thing, but but there will always be poison, and and and, and I just I, I have to make sure everyone that I can I always need to let people know that sure it's um he he loves those guys uh you know and uh they for the most part Brett likes I mean we, like we play this year we play all the way up to Thanksgiving Day take Thanksgiving off then play all the way up to December twenty third uh and those guys like to play you know, six weeks out of the year. Right. And, and they like to play the big amphitheaters and, and they like to not insulting again. Cece's a brother. I'll kill. Sure. I'll take a fucking bullet for Cece Deville any fucking day of my life. Uh, yep. He is a wonderful human being. When me and my wife were getting divorced and I didn't want to get divorced, she was a bartender and he, even more than Brett, he got on the phone with her and tried to talk her out of it for like two nice. hours one night. Uh, you know, and, and uh, but my point to that is Brett just wants to work more than poison wants to work. Okay. Right. So that, sense. that's what, that's what happens. That's the it. same with rat too. I think, uh, you know, Warren just wanted to play like 20 big shows, like a, like a, a year. And the, some of the other guys want to do more or whatever, but I, that would have made sense. I mean, just do that. And then Piercy band go out the rest of the year and everybody could have been happy. Yeah. yeah. You know, poison, yeah. And us, poison and us coexist really well other than ricky ricky doesn't like it ricky gets mad about it and 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 uh doesn't like the solo band uh he thinks it takes away from poison but bobby and cc they're sweethearts about it all you know you know wait i'm curious do you know warren uh i i've met him a few times where we're we're certainly not like buddies or anything or aware of each other uh you know what what a uh because over the years you've been the only guitar player sometimes. Yeah, I've I've been uh, the, the only like uh, continuing thing in the Piercy band since two thousand one. I've been yeah. twenty three years. 
I've but been sometimes, his sometimes you're the, there's not a second player, right? I've there has been times where it was just me. Yes, certainly. Yes, I've yeah. seen you. I, I don't mm-hmm. know where we were at. I thought we played a show one night in Illinois, some festival uh, years ago that it was just you. I thought I can't, I, I but anyway, um, what a lot of pressure that is. It is. And now are you, you are, you're the only good guitarist for Brett, right? We when you're just, up there during party girl, we added a second player. Okay. Um, but he's it, so it's, it's a little sad story, but when we do the party girl gigs or anytime we do something on an arena side stage with Brett, uh, we bring in two backup singers, uh, that used to be female. He, Brett likes Skinner so much. That, that that's so we have you know he he likes that skinnered feel and so one backup singer played guitar and the other plays percussion they were female and right literally a week before party girl started uh one the one female guitar player passed away from uh, breast cancer and mm-hmm. so we had to bring in uh another guitar player and uh another guitar player slash backup singer and uh we've decided to keep He's in the band all the time now. Okay. Rhythm guitar. I think player. I did see this, this uh, mention this now that we're talking about yeah. it. His I did see Dean, the, his name's Dean Kramer. He was in Steve Whiteman's side band, funny money for a long, yeah. long time. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we, we've known each other our whole lives and he's such a good guy. Uh, I think it irritates him because I am, I, I am after 20 years, I'm the fucking lead player. And, uh, and he's 10 times a guitar player. I'll ever be. This is this. This is you're, you're telling the Johnny Monaco story right now. <laughs> We, we, we've gone through the same thing, uh, you know, where it's like, yeah, I know, I know that you're a GIT guy and whatever, but I'm not just going to like hand you everything just because you're more qualified to come in. <laughs> right. it's like well, you're more, more qualified than you've been there for 23 years. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I can play the I can play the solos too. I, I mean, we've had a little uh, clashing back and forth, but I feel like now, just like that's how boys are. You know what I mean? Yeah, boys yeah, are, sure. The boys are going to test each other to see how far they could push things, uh, and we found some common ground to where okay, now he is. We we are a two lead guitar player band, and people do get to see his little you know shred fest on certain songs. You know, I think you and I more play for the song that's type right. people. That's you right. know what I mean? Which I, I appreciate overall. I was never really into the super shred records and all that. It was just a little beyond my pay grade or whatever. I wasn't really interested in buying it or listening to it, but it's cool. He can do it and we give it, but too much of it is too much too. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like he gets his moments to do that and that's enough. I still do the same leads. I always did. We've added some more rat songs where we've had, we've had him go ahead, Johnny. We don't, we don't want you to be bored in this band. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But uh, it sounds like we've been going through the same thing you and i yeah I yeah know. well i haven't come off any of them yet i let him i let him do uh <laughs> one i let him do four bars of soloing at the end of our cover of sweet home alabama i haven't come off any nice. <laughs> right yeah. very so, good uh, mama well, don't dance has two guitar solos in it and i've been thinking about letting him have one of those yeah let's we'll just see how that goes yeah. buddy. you watch yourself we'll see. nice yeah well but but as a guitar player did you find that challenging when you first joined the band? Like, oh my god, it was. I didn't want to do it. I, I mean, uh, I, I, I didn't. I didn't even believe Piercy that he needed somebody. I didn't understand why he was asking me because I was just a local '90s rock guy. You know what I mean? But he needed a guy to replace his shred dude. And I guess what I lacked in the shred, I brought with the attitude and That's the right. performance, well, and I know, compensated. You know what's funny is, uh, so. And what you said is exactly right. I am way more a song guy than 
uh, than uh, a shredder, but I was a shredder growing up. When I was a kid, I always tell everyone at 18 years old, I was way better guitar player than I am today because I became a singer and a songwriter and then everything changes. When you're, you know, that, that becomes something I'm looking you're not at practicing this. five hours a day anymore. <laughs> right. Right. But, um, my, what is, what am I point to that is, Oh, so, um, a few years ago, I decided I was going to write an instrumental record. Something happened and I got real back into Steve Vai and I, I'm mm -hmm. a big Vai fan and I, and you know, I'm a big Van Halen guy, but I bought passion and warfare. I did buy that record as a kid. That was a great album. It was a great record. And, and, uh, but I'm a giant Van Halen guy, so a lot of people think that I'm into that, but I'm into the songs. I'm a Hagar fan over a Roth fan every day, mm -hmm. and I like, like, Why Can't This Be Loving Right Now are my two favorite Van Halen songs, and they're keyboard-driven songs. But I, but, sure. So anyway, I went to, and I'm not, I hope I don't insult lead players uh, like Shredders, because I understand it. I, 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 I know how to do it, and I love it, but I said, I'm going to write an instrumental record. And I wrote the first song and I called it Awakened and I released it before the record was done. And then I, when I went down to write the second song, I was like, fuck this. Like it, 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 I lost complete interest in it. Not the talent. I was just like, fuck. I don't, I, I it, you know what I'm saying? I, I you know, yeah. yeah. But, but my point to that was that you would probably appreciate this is being a song guy when we were growing up. Everybody made fun of CC and McMars. They were the two that sucked, mm -hmm. you know. They and they're the two that lasted. They're right. the ones, yeah. You know, they're the. They're I, the I, let me let me interject because you just touched on something very important that that actually enabled me to move forward in the music career. Because as we're being that we're the same age, when these Steve Vai people are coming out, I realize I'm never going to play that good. You know what I mean? But if yeah. it wasn't for the CCs and the other people that said, "No, you can have success as long as." You're, you have a, something about you, an appeal and a connection with the audience and your songs are memorable. Right. You, do, you can make it. You don't have to be that amazing as these dudes here. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and oh, I move forward. In 1988, it was hard to believe that if you were a guitar player, you really thought you had to be faster than Ingve and flashier than fucking. Well, in 1988, perhaps. 19, yeah. by, no, the 90s, it was illegal to play solo. Oh, so you yeah, were fucked. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Uh, you know, Mark McGrath was on the tour with us. Right, right, right. And uh, I don't know if you guys are Sugar Ray fans. Sure. You talk a lot about being a 90s guy. Mark's Mark's one of the most incredible guys in the world. But uh, we talk all the time he, about exactly what you just said. By the time Sugar Ray, Ray was making those records, you weren't allowed to have a guitar solo on the record. Right. Yeah, he talked because he's into it. Mark, Mark is a historian. He knows everything about every 80s here. I got video of him singing Danger Danger songs. So we're nice. the Weezer guys. The we, you know, oh, yeah. most of them you'll find are Smashing Pumpkins. All of them. they, they all well, love the eighties rock Gordon and loved all that. Was a Van Halen fan. Yeah, as I am, I'm wearing a both Smashing Pumpkins shirt today. There you the go. world is a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't mean to. You know, I want to clarify one other thing real quick. I I said that the critics said CC sucked, and I don't think right. that's. Look, Talk Dirty to Me was a go-to riff to play when I started playing guitar at 15 because it was something I could play, and that's a very important thing. Yeah. If, if you want to be popular, look at Green Day. Oh, my God. How huge did they get? Because there's songs you could play them on guitar. You well, know that's I mean? ACDC. You know, and, and I got to be yeah. honest with you. I think about that vocally, too. Like, I, I think that, uh, you know, part of the great stuff about the Poison <laughs> stuff and, and, and 
and the Bon Jovi stuff was that you could sing along to it. There got right. at the end of the eighties where it, the singers were just like the guitar players. Nobody was singing a TNT song and riding around in their car with their friends. No one could hit those notes. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Just, you know, but what I, what I want to just clarify this, I will go to my grave telling anyone this DeVille. Even if you do think he's the greatest guitar player in the world, you, I promise you, you still don't know how good he really is. Right. That guy can play every goddamn Ingve Malmsteen lick as fast as Malmsteen, and he can yeah. play he, he 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 can play all the Van Halen shit. And if you're ever backstage at a Poison show, that guy sits in his dressing room all fucking day long. He still loves the guitar, like he picked it up yesterday. And you'll walk by his dressing room, and he's just just he. I've had him come up behind me and play my guitar while it's strapped to me. There you go. <laughs> <that sound>? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, so I, guys, I got. I'm gonna. I have to jump out because Charlie Cat has a vet appointment in ten minutes, and I have to rally her into a pet carrier. Well, that's a good. That's probably a good place to wrap up here. So, uh, obviously, Pete, you are out there on the um, the Party Gras Fall Tour, which is getting started. I will be seeing it here in November here in Cleveland. Who's Can't on wait. that one? Have they announced who's on? Uh, they haven't announced it here. They just announced we've you guys doing, will be here. We've been doing a couple with D. Snyder, man. Well, that'd be it's cool to do that shit with D, man. He's sure. Yeah. But, and obviously, people- and we're doing one with Rome. If you're a 90s guy, we're doing one with uh, the, the guy that's Sublime and Rome guy? The, the, the guy Rome. Rome from Sublime. Yeah. Right. Nice. Right. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, so. so, lots of good stuff going on. Uh, make sure you check out Pete's book, MTV Famous. That's, where, where do we get it, Pete? Uh, Amazon or Amazon.com. Okay. Yeah. Please check it out. I appreciate it. Yep. it uh, you know, I usually don't beg for the support, but I'm proud of this. Thing. <laughs> well, yeah. just just get yourself some um some um bare knuckle whiskey, bare yeah. knuckle bourbon. Have a couple drinks. Read MTV Famous. It's a perfect night, right? That's right. And then go to your arcade. Burn right, a nice candle. Get yeah. The burn top. a candle. There wow. you go. <laughs> oh, it's I perfect. Like Simmons, all of a sudden. <laughs> All right. Well, Pete, this has been fun as always. And everybody watching, this has been fun as always. So until next week, um, this has been Chris Aiken Presents. I am Chris Aiken. I'm Eric Fiorentino. And that's Pete. I'm grateful, guys. Having me on once was one thing. Ask me back again. That that's um Oh, that's, you're gonna be a regular Pete. Dude, this door is yeah, always man. open. Anytime well, you want to hit, just just throw me a text or whatever, and, right, and well, come as long on. As there's not a Star Wars show on, I'm, watching, I'm available. <laughs> come on and review Star Wars. It's all good. All right, guys. Thank you so so much. I might go buy your guitar now that I got your blessing. Do it. Nice. We could be the the team slime. There you go. You, me, and Brandon. All right, see you guys. All right, later. guys. See ya. Okay.